Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to the digitally uploaded podcast, the companion podcast, digitallydownloaded.net. My name is Alan, I'll be your host for the week, and with me, as always, is the editor-in-chief of the site, the... I'm trying to think of an an adjective to give you, because I usually give you a cooked adjective, but I'm thinking, like, I think sensual's a bit too much. But I'm going to go with sensual. (laughs) The sensual man himself, Matt Sainsbury. Hello. Thank you. I thought you'd appreciate it. You know, how are you doing, Matt? I'm doing well, thank you, Alan. How are you doing? Yeah, you know, kicking along, kicking along. Playing all the, the, all the normal stuff. Not yet. Um, it's currently I preloaded it, but it's downloading again for some idiot reason. Even though I preloaded it, so that's fun. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that one. You're playing a lot of Goldeneye. I am. Yes. Um. Yeah. That's my my brother and my brother got a new Switch. Like he's got he finally got around to getting one because of Fire Emblem Engage. But in mm-hmm. the process, he got the, the online pass and the N64 stuff. So we played GoldenEye like we haven't had since 2000. <laughs> um, yeah, we played it for like six hours straight. It holds up. It holds up. There's a multiplayer I thing. It's believe that. so good. It's, <laughs> it's crazy See, how much fun it is still. The thing that gets me right is that I think it'd be a hard sell for someone who hasn't played GoldenEye in that environment, in like a room together. But at the same time, I know that I would have a great time doing it because I've not played GoldenEye since like 2006 on a, you know, proper N64. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... I think it's it, cool. It's cool the, it exists. The The controls are not good. Like, it, it definitely doesn't... Like, it, it's definitely dated as, as a game. But yeah. if you've got the nostalgia on... Um, and you're willing to just kind of roll with the fact that it doesn't play like your Call of Duties and Halos and whatever, then yeah, you have a really good time with it. Um, so uh, yeah, oh, you're gonna, it's been fun. You're gonna hate me, Matt, because I've been playing Call of Duty. <laughs> have you? It came well, with it came with my computer. Yeah, you, you're gonna join the military, <laughs> and so you were legally forced to, Alan. Yeah, this is the thing. I'm gonna go steal a child from Afghanistan. <laughs> um, with that, hello, Harvest. <laughs> Uh, don't know uh, how to follow that one. Yeah, it's pretty hard to, you know, deal with you know literal kidnapping, but it's okay. How how's your how's your month been? Uh, it's been good. I have not kidnapped anybody, and I have not been playing Call of Duty. So those two things yes. uh, are correlated. Yes. Yeah, that's basically true. Uh, Activision doesn't listen to these, so it's fine. Hello, Trent, as well. You're welcome here. Yes, I am welcome here. I, I, I'm just waiting for one day when you do the intro to be like, you know, with us always is Trent. <sighs> Don't do that. Like... No, I like you. <laughs> uh, I, I might give you a little saucy intro next time. I have to think about that next time. Give everyone an adjective, like a slightly yes. cooked adjective to use. That's the end goal. Trent, what have you been playing? What have I been playing? I've been playing Hi-Fi. What it, what's the actual game called? Hi-Fi. It's called Hi-Fi, yeah. No, Hi-Fi something. Hi-Fi. Hi-Fi Tokyo. <laughs> Hi-Fi Drift. I don't know. Like, it's got an actual name, not just Hi-Fi. But I've been playing that because I have an Xbox. And, you know, I, I'm the one, one crazy person here which actually has an Xbox. And That's Microsoft what? finally released a game for it. So I'm playing the Xbox. I, don't know. I, play, I played it a bit. I played it a bit. Um, I was curious because I got the Game Pass thing, uh, and I um, 
my Android consoles. So uh, I've got that on a handheld thing, basically. And yeah, it's all right. It's like a rhythm it ruler like a thingy. It, it's it, it's it sits down yet. closer to probably like a seven and eight. It's kind of like Sunset Overdrive in like the vibe and the feel. And it's got a lot of weird things wrong with it. And for a ribbon game, I really can't get into the sound. Like, it just seems like background, like, grinding noises and, like, full of songs. They're all mashed together. (laughs) And I'm like, Um, it's not fun. Isn't it? Isn't it, like, the Black Keys and stuff? Yeah, there's heaps of great songs. But it just, like, like, all the, the default music setup all the main gameplay sounds and stuff just like take priority and you won't hear like any of the actual music music. It just oh. drones out and it's like, Alan, I think, and they're all samesy and it's like, th- what's I, actually happening? I think Trent has turned on streamer mode and didn't realize. No, I did not turn on streamer mode. I'm not that <laughs> professional. <laughs> uh, could you imagine like, why is it not playing this licensed music and it plays like stock music by Kevin McLeod the entire way through? <laughs> Hell yeah. I will never make fun of that man. What a king. Anyway, it's a podcast.
the games of the month. I wasn't expecting to be singing a song, but here we are regardless. It is the games of the month, of course, for the month of February. I don't think it's as crazy as January, which is confusing to me because usually January is really quiet and February is a bit bigger. But anyway, here we are. Matt, February is a smaller the month. There's only, there's only 27, 28 days. It's a smaller month for January. Oh, like that movie. When it was 28 like days that. later, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one. You know that movie? Yeah. That was a good Matt, movie. Do you have the list? That was a good movie. I do have the list. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, it's on TV it's right now. The it's menu, the last Nothing of is. <laughs> we just want to talk about different movies that we like. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> now the movie podcast. Um, okay, yeah. so let's go with the Good PlayStation anyway. 5 first, shall we? Um, okay, so the first game, I guess, of any note that releases next month is Deliver Us Mars on February 2, which is the sequel to the award-winning Deliver Us the Moon, which I never played, so I don't remember playing it anyway. But if it, won, deliver us? <laughs> if, it, if it won awards, it must be good or something, right? That's how it works. So, yeah, that comes out on February 2. Um, then it comes Alan's Game of the Year, Fashion Police Squad, because, as we all know, Alan likes nothing more than fashion and then being a cop. Um, no, that, oh, that's so true. I, you know what? That's what I was thinking as I was stealing that child from Afghanistan. Um, <laughs> no, that's, that should be fun. That could be genuinely kind of interesting, depending on what sort of fashion we're talking about. Because if it's like high fashion, where it's like wearing a squid on your head and dancing around by going blip, then that's cool. I'm here for that. <laughs> it's my understanding of the world of fashion. Yeah. <laughs> Just wearing squids. Apparently, apparently, yeah. it's like a retro first-person shooter. So I don't know. I, I don't know anything about it other than it has a name that caught my eye. So there you go. That comes out on February. 2. You know what? That actually, you joked and said it might be my kind of thing but it's sounding like my kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we have um, the game that should not be mentioned, so we'll skip past that one. Uh, okay, next one is February 14, Labyrinth of Galleria, the Moon Society. So that is a dungeon crawler, wizardry style. Um, it's the sequel to Labyrinth of Refrain, Coven at Dusk, which was actually pretty good because... Um, that one was like a dungeon crawler where the main mechanic was you could smash walls and kind of just walk through the map that way, um, which... I like that. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it was something you wouldn't expect because the whole point of dungeon crawlers usually is that they're kind of labyrinths and you're kind of, yeah, you're stuck on a certain mm. path and, and you've got to make your way around a maze. Well, this one you could just smash your way through and the way it still had puzzles and still had that exploration and still had the need to to work your way around a kind of maze was pretty impressive with that mechanic. So I'm quite looking forward to that one. It was a, it was one of those ones that when you play it, you don't really forget it. And yeah, the new one looks good too. Um, also on February 14, we've got 10 dates, which was the sequel to five dates. So twice as many dates. Um, that's an FMV <laughs> game. That, uh, the first one was apparently quite good. So this one is twice as good, I guess. Twice as many it's a thing people. to play on Valentine's Day is to go on 10 dates. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's just how you play Persona, though, to be fair. No, I just go on one date. 10 times with one character. That's usually how I do, I do yeah. Persona. <laughs> yes. The now we're going to go get coffee. <laughs> God, the nurse lady was so cool. Okay, so on also on February 14, so there's a lot of February 14 stuff. Um, 
The third one is Wanted Dead, which is not the most inspiring title, but it is a hybrid slasher shooter from the makers of Ninja Gaiden and Dead or Alive. So it's not a Koei Tecmo game. I think it's like a studio that split off from ex Koei Tecmo people, but no they know Itagaki? their action. Sorry? No Itagaki? I have no idea. If it is, he's an ex one. Is that guy Let's still see. alive? Yeah, he's still around. <laughs> I think he's yeah, still yeah. out there insisting. I'm thinking he's still out there insisting that that last game he made was good. Um, Devil's Third, a game that definitely yeah. was totally. Oh, I normal. forgot that game existed. <laughs> no, you didn't. Don't lie. You I genuinely that game. can't picture that game. what that game is. I have no, 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 it is, no, do you remember? It, it is no, not. It plays Ivan. <laughs> is it the Wii U game where you had a tattooed guy? Yes. That would beat yeah, yeah, people yeah. Up? yeah oh, Ivan. Yeah. But he was Russian and he played the drum set in the first cutscene and he was cool as hell. Also, it's funny it's that we've reached the point where favorite. you can say a game is made by the creators of Ninja Gaiden and Dead or Alive, and none of us have any idea who that could refer to, because those have gone on for so long and changed so many hands. So, um, yeah, it, it's not. It's a new studio. It's a studio called Salail or something. Uh, it's not Itagaki's, but, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll give it a go. <laughs> that might be for the best if it's not Itagaki's, to be fair. <laughs> so... <laughs> Moving on, on February 17, I can't believe this is actually already coming out because I just kind of heard its announcement and put it in the back of my mind and forgot about it. But it is coming out very soon, Wild Hearts, on February 17, which is the Koei Tecmo Monster Hunter style game that EA is publishing, um, which looks good. What a weird group. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, that's why it was weirding me out. Like, why would Koei Tecmo work with EA on a game? But they have, and it is a Monster Hunter-like. And they did the two Kitten games previously, which were pretty good Monster Hunter-likes themselves. So They were on the on the Vita, right? On the Vita, yeah. yeah. They were good. Yeah, they were cool. Yeah, yeah. Koei, Koei knows their stuff with that genre. So I'm definitely going to give that one a good run. Um. Moving on, on February 21, we've got Like a Dragon Ishin, which is the uh, Yakuza <laughs> set in yesteryear. That's cool as hell. I'm so glad that came out. Did you guys ever see, like, I feel like, Matt, you probably definitely would have seen this because you're a journalist, but, like, when Ishin was coming out in Japan, they had, like, a whole bunch of articles in, like, PlayStation Magazine Australia being, like, this is a really cool looking game. It's Yakuza, but it's in ancient Japan. And I was like, that looks cool as hell. And the fact that they're actually like adapting it now for the Western audience and like doing a proper translation. Nah. Chef's yeah, kiss. yeah. Uh, I, I, I remember being very disappointed that they weren't going to bring that across. But obviously they need a new Yakuza game to to release so they've gone and dusted this one off but uh, oh yeah. i forgot so the series is officially called like a dragon now isn't it no there's two yeah, different series technically to... well there's actually three so you've got the yakuza series which is technically still its own thing you've got like a dragon which is going to be like the turn-based rpgs um and then you've got judgment which is um, oh, its own thing the other its own thing as well so they're technically three different properties but i don't think they're looking at making any new yakuza series games other than this one like a dragon um i don't believe there's any kind of on the horizon so effectively the next kind of replacement will be the next um the the next uh like a dragon the next ichiban game yeah which will be good i'm looking forward to that whenever that happens i need to play um, um seven at some point 
you do. So yeah, it seems on, really good. On February twenty one, we've got Atomic Heart, which is in the <laughs> Soviet in the Soviet Union of the future in nineteen fifty five. Science yeah, yeah. reigns supreme. The world is on verge of the greatest event. You are Agent Major P three, and you will have to find out what is really lying behind the utopian dream. I'm intrigued. Will you find out, Matt? I'm intrigued. I, I, it looks cool enough. It's like a bit Bioshocky and a bit um, bit like a like a what are those games called? Like System Shock, Bioshock, Immersive, Immersive Sims. Sims. Yeah, yeah, a bit like that. Wait, who's but making it's, uh, more actiony? Just some random developer. Doesn't don't Immersive Sims cost like thirty billion dollars to make? Probably. Okay, and then they don't make any money because they're too complicated to play, and then Deathloop <laughs> happens, and no one knows how to play Deathloop. <laughs> yeah, and just a few loud people on the internet are like, "This is the best game ever." And no one's gonna play it. Yeah, I mean, that That's was us. Great. We're, we're the loud people. Wait, on no one's game. played Deathloop. <laughs> Deathloop. What? That's really good. Yes, game of the year. Not really. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. I think there. it was a game that came out in that year. I wouldn't say it's the game of the year. I mean, what year was it? Was it last year? <laughs> It's 2020. No, it was last year. Oh, God, I've lost track of my entire existence. Um, so then we have, um, moving on, we have the PlayStation VR 2 coming out um, and all the launch games to go with that. That comes out at the end of February. So just running through those quickly, there's a Fantavision 202X. I mean, a lot of these will be able to be played without VR as well, but uh, Fandivision 202X, which is that kind of puzzle game about um, fireworks, which is pretty good. The original was on PS2, oh, yeah. so it's been a long time since we've had one of those. Um, you can play that on the kind of PS2 classics now. I highly recommend it. It's a very nice little puzzle game. This new one will be good, I would think, given that it will benefit from the enhanced visual capabilities of the PlayStation 5. We've also got... Um, the Tale of Ongoro, on, on which is Portal meets Shadow of the Colossus. Well, that is certainly an ambitious task. I don't know if I actually managed to pull that off, but if they do, that could be good. I didn't visualize that. <laughs> <laughs> um, for people who like their horrors, you've got Resident Evil Village VR mode. Uh, that's uh, a launch thing. That would um, be so cool. <laughs> then, then there is uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain. So they're doing a Horizon in yeah. VR. Um, yay. Uh, Kizuna AI, AI, sorry, Kizuna AI, Touch the Beat. So that's a rhythm game featuring the virtual oh. YouTuber that started it all. She retired. Well, she's come out of retirement to do she's one dancing thing. <laughs> you can never keep a good digital character down. Uh, we've got Star Wars Tales of the Galaxy's Edge Enhanced Edition, which I guess is in VR. I don't know why, but it is. Uh, we've got Moss. Well, you can Moss learn the tales too. in VR. <laughs> Cities VR, that would be a PlayStation VR 2 thing as well. It was already a PlayStation VR thing. Well, it was already a VR thing anyway. So now you can play it on your PlayStation and um, a bunch of other games. Res Infinite, that's a PlayStation VR 2 oh, game. Oh, great game. Should be fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chef Life. So cook stuff in VR. Yay. Um <laughs> Could you sound less interested? <laughs> no, uh, I, I must admit I haven't been paying that much. I, I haven't been paying that closer attention to the PlayStation VR 2 because I don't have a thousand bucks to throw down on a 
VR headset. Um, so, so what I did is I traded in my PlayStation Five because I moved into my with my partner. So I went to EB Games and I'm like, I don't need this anymore. I, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a uh, PlayStation VR, and the guy's like, oh yeah, that sounds reasonable. And then he's like, wait a minute, <laughs> can we interested yeah. in this new thing that's coming out? Um, and then. I don't think these are VR games, so we've got a couple more releases towards the end of the month. We've got Blood Bowl 3, which is the board game. That's cool. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to that. I like the last two, and I am looking forward to this one. It's been delayed a couple of times, so hopefully that has been to improve it rather than try and salvage it. Um, we'll oh, I do have see. an update, actually. On the topic of Warhammer games, I do have an update to say Dark Tide 2. Uh, Dark Tide fucking sucks. <laughs> don't play it. <laughs> Yeah, they put yeah, that's my update for the last podcast. They're fixing yeah, that. it's bad. I, I spent uh, more time in it and was like, oh. <laughs> um, Play Bubble got, instead, it's good. <laughs> we've got Oct Octopath Traveler 2 coming out on February 24. That is no longer a Switch exclusive. That'll be on PlayStation as well. Uh, and Ooh. the first one, I know we've talked about that heaps on the podcast in the past. I really enjoyed it. Other people have more mixed feelings about it, but certainly the, the graphics, the HD 2D uh, visual style is great so hopefully they can pull that one in around and make it something that everybody likes uh and then we finish the month with a game called scars above on playstation 5 for, which comes out on february 28 and it looks like it'll be a horror ish game i don't know uh, something strange has entered its orbit mm -hmm. da, 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 da. it's a action third person shooter Inspired by the modern action adventure games, I think it'll be basically like more Dead Space for people. I was just gonna say, so done it's done with Dead it's, Space. Uh, mortal, mortal galaxy. Yeah, they're, they're really yeah. having a moment with these games. Yeah, it's definitely I'm been here a for trend. It though I love me some some skeletons in space. Yeah, but you didn't play me the more last skeletons one. in space. What was the last one? The terrible one that came out. Callisto Protocol. Yeah. Know. No, I didn't that. because I, I was going to pre-order it, and then I didn't because I valued myself too much. Yeah, did yourself a favor there. <laughs> Moving over to the, <laughs> you sound so upset. Moving over to the, oh, I was looking forward to it and it disappointed me. Moving over to the Switch, yeah. we've got Life is Strange two coming out on February two, so it's already it's out on everything else, right? but not on Switch. It's on Switch now. So what I discovered is before the storm is getting a remake. Why are they remaking all the Life is Strange games just in Unity or whatever the engine they now use? It's like annoying. Extra money. People yeah. keep buying them. Yeah. People buy every version of those games. They're, they're, they're good games and yeah, that's what they do. Um, moving on. There's a lot of junk coming out on Switch, of course. A game called Shuttlecock H, which I'm sure will be Alan's favorite game. Shuttlecock H. Yeah, Shuttlecock H. No, that's great. That no, I just themed H game. Own it. Yeah, I don't the know. I, I'm not, I'm not going to click on it. The Shuttlecock is just blushing. <laughs> I'm not that brave. <laughs> um, so on Switch, Labyrinth of Galleria comes out uh, as well. So you can play it on the go if you'd rather than the PS4 or 5, sorry. Uh, 10 Dates is also coming out on Switch if you want your FMV games on the go. There is... 
Oh, there's the one. This one's only coming on Switch, at least for initial. Uh, initially, it's going to be an exclusive. Theat Rhythm comes out on Switch on February 16th. That's cool. I'm very much looking forward to that. I enjoyed the first two on the 3DS. I uh, love the art style. I obviously like the music. This one's going to have 385 pieces of music built oh, in. You're not going to see me for three months. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then DLC or kind of season passes on top of that. It's going to be a mammoth game. 385 songs. That's going to be close to a record. That's a lot of songs. That is a lot of songs. No, the thing I like most about it is the the, the description here says... It's a rhythm game packed with 385 carefully selected music tracks. It's like, you can't be that careful. I can't wait for them to include. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the other funny thing is that the last game came out of the 3DS, and between the last game and this one, there has not been a new Final Fantasy game. Oh, there hasn't either. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Origin, the greatest game of all time. Which <laughs> is also there getting DLC coming music, out soon. There? there probably will be some, yeah. I wonder Can if we have King Mog's going to be on there. It's definitely... It was oh. in all of them. Good King Mog? Yeah. Was it? That's I don't remember. It was definitely in the, the second one on 3DS. Oh, good. It That's shocked cool. me how much I've heard that song, despite having never played Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> it's, it's your favourite song, isn't it, Alan? <laughs> it's kind of really good, though. He's it's come so, back around at it. It's so De Danny Elfman. Okay. Looking going beyond, so looking forward to that. Tales of Symphonia Remastered also launches on February 17th. That's cool, so yeah, that is cool Good for them. It's Symphonia is a great game, it's yet another re release remake of that. I think it's been what re released at least once before, so it, has it is one of the yeah, there's there was a like, PS3 HD version, yeah, it was on PC as well, and that was about it, right? It was the PS2 gotcha. copy though, so it doesn't run at 60, so the new one runs at 60 like the original GameCube version does, right. So there it'll play better. Cool. Yeah. And it is one of the better re regarded Tales games. So that's a nice little yeah. release to slip in there. Then we've also got Digimon World Next Order coming out on Switch on February 22. I don't know which one that is of the Digimon games. Lose track. But it's a remake or re-release. It's not an original game. Then we've got... Respect that. Labyrinth of Zengetsu which I don't know anything about, but the box art is pretty pretty. You should click on it and check it out. Um, um, I don't know if <laughs> we know where that goes No, 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 yeah. it does. I'm not, I'm not shooting you here. It looks all right. I'm still panicking. This is actually a really good looking game. Um, this one has a really, this is a dungeon crawler um, with a really dark art style, which is really, really... It, it does look really good. Uh, I remember seeing the announcement last year and being intrigued. And if it is the one I'm thinking of, huh? yes, it is. It's got this kind of black and white art style, which is really cool. So that's coming out earlier than I thought. Excellent. I'll definitely be playing that. Uh, we've got Remorse, the list coming out on February 23 which is a survival horror for Switch. So if you don't have a PlayStation, can't play Dead Space, you can play Remorse. And then you can have Remorse when you're not playing Dead Space. Uh, yeah. Actually, Remorse does look all right. <laughs> did click That's onto fine. it and have I just wanted a, have to get a, that nice little line. Yeah. I had a brief browse of it on the eShop, and I'm, oh, it looks all right. Octopath Traveler 2 comes out on Switch as well. 
um, for same day, February 24. Also on February 24, we've got Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe, which is Yay. a four-player platforming adventure. Anything with Kirby is wholesome. Just pleasant. And good and happy. So, yay, four-player Kirby. That's Nintendo's big release for February, by the way. It's a quiet month for Nintendo. We've got... Because they're like not really doing as much Switch stuff anymore, are they? Like Fire Emblem's kind of the last big one. And Tears of the Kingdom is like the big, big last game. What? Yeah, and then when we see Rhythm Heaven come out, that'll be that'll be the signal. Yeah. It's almost and as that... if it's uh, time for a new console, you know? Like, well, with Metroid got... 4 as the launch title. Yeah, but they don't have any plans, so they're actually planning planning on ramping up production of Switches this year. So I would not I expect that... Metroid 4 was a thing. I, I would not expect that Nintendo has um, any plans to pull back on the Switch just yet. They just haven't had a direct to announce their stuff for this year, I think. So that's why it looks a bit thin on their release schedule for the remainder of the year at the moment. Uh, finishing out the month for the Switch, we've got the sequel. I'm not even going to try and pronounce this. Void TR. RLM2 bracket bracket semicolon dash dash void terranium 2. Um, <laughs> terrible name, impossible to pronounce. Uh, I don't know why people make games if they're going to name their game that. Just don't. Just like, I love this file you, bankruptcy. You went, <laughs> when you went out of your way to actually say what the punctuation marks were for the listeners out there who are wondering what we're looking at. <laughs> yeah, you can type it in. It's impossible. <laughs> um, no i but, can't type into google that's the problem <laughs> Na name aside this game will be pretty good the first one was a better than average roguelike traditional roguelike so you know um permadeath and wandering around dungeon floors and killing dudes turn-based combat style um yeah very kind of traditional but well-made uh roguelike so this one i'm looking forward to for that reason except for having to type that out every time I want to say it in a review. That's not going to be fun. But anyway, I'll play it. So that's um that's pretty much the extent of things in February. There there, there is quite a few games coming out. Uh, it doesn't have the kind of the, the big AAA game as such, but uh yeah, there's there's some decent stuff there. That's kind of space to be fair. <laughs> what what would you pick if you had to pick one, Alan, that's um coming out in February? I mean, I probably won't play it for a while, but Ishin looks really, really cool. Yeah. Like, it, it looks really, really cool. That's a cool-looking game. And uh, going off how much I loved, like, Yakuza 0 and Song of Life, like, yeah, I'll probably play that. Cool. Uh, Harvey? It's so weird. I was going to say this is a quiet month, and then I looked through, and there's, like, six JRPGs still. Like, this is just the world we live in. Definitely theatre. That's, that's the only thing I'm going to play. I'm going to skip theatrism. every other game and just play theatrism. If you think about it, right? So let's say each one of those music tracks is two minutes long on average, right? Um, oops. I'm going to yeah, pull out the like calculator because... 700 and... 770 minutes. 770 minutes just to play through each track once. Yeah, and... which is like 12 hours. Yeah, and, and let's say you, you fail it like twenty times on each track. So the good thing about theorism, and I can't believe more rhythm games haven't adopted this mechanic. I don't know if Square Enix has patented it, right? If you per if you perfect a section of a song, it counts towards your total perfect. So you don't need to grind the song over and over again. You can just learn the parts. That's, That's very cool. 
actually the only reason why I'm excited for it because I feel like it's going <laughs> to actually fit into my schedule. I can play like 15 minutes here and there and still make progress instead of just sitting down and playing only one song for two hours like some other games. Yeah, but you're still going to have to play it for like 200 hours, Harvard. Oh, absolutely. I have 300 <laughs> something hours in the 3DS one. And that not, one is less he's not songs. being forced to. Well, you kind of do. You, you feel obligated to, Alan. It's It's the thing. You don't have a choice. The game tells you it sounds and says you're going to have to play it all. Yeah, it's like when you have to play Good King Wong at the end of the podcast. It's it's not you choosing to do that. <laughs> oh, but the it is. Chooses you, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the tough game. Um, Trent, <laughs> pick one. I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to play Horizon because I bought the Horizon VR demo, like a uh, VR demo, VR kit expansion pack thing. So I'm going to either really hate Horizon or really get into Horizon. Is that a true Horizon game? Like a like a walk around the open world and fight on dinosaur dragons or whatever? No idea. It's a Sony bundling game, so it's probably not. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like the Link's crossbow training of the Horizon Zero Dawn world. Oh, hell yeah. Well, Link's crossbow training was Link's cool crossbow well. training was so good, though. <laughs> That's what I mean. I, 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 I'd, like play, I'd play a Switch remake of that. <laughs> I still think it's criminal that I've not released Time Crisis on the Switch. Because I Which would buy that in a heartbeat. Time Crisis no. is like the, the rail shooter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The switch hardware do doesn't does not work with uh, the 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 rail gun things, as I discovered when I played the House of the Dead remake. It does not. I think yeah, that was a bad I, game. I heard that. that was awful. It was. There's terrible. a good yeah, rail gun. Been a bad game. There's a game called Assault Chain Gun something. It's a quite a good rail gun on our Switch. Did you guys ever play that pirate one that was on a on the Wii? It was like a Bandai Namco like Time Crisis one as well, but it was pirate themed with like cannons and stuff. It was cool as hell. It does sound cool as hell. Yeah, it was really, really good. It was sort of like Dreadnought something. Dreadnought gun gun. <laughs> it's exactly that. Exactly that. Now I, you're going pretty obscure there. I have no idea what you're yeah, talking about, Alan. No, I'm going to look this up. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> um. Oh, yeah. I, Matt, I what think are you my, my, this month? What are you excited my, for? My pick of the month will probably be Wild Hearts, I reckon. Which is weird that I'm saying I want to play an EGA published game, but that is how the chips have fallen um yeah I, i'm looking forward to it because koei techno does do a good job with uh, with monster hunter things and i'm hoping that the money that ea would have thrown into it will result in decent quality production values or something but yeah i'll, I'll play that and when you finish playing wild hearts you can play sayonara wild hearts <laughs> yeah so the game, by the way, was called Dead Storm Pirates. I, no one bought so that. So generic. No one bought that. Not even no me. one's going to EV games and going. I want to. I want to buy Dead Storm Pirates. Yeah. Well, maybe there was one person at least. <laughs> it, it sounds like a bad game, which they were like, you know, tell kids to play. It's like you got to play Dead Storm Pirates. It's like the latest game everyone's playing. Go buy it. He's he's like get your mum to like pre-order. It. it does sound a little bit like a Simpsons game they made up. <laughs> it's a Lee Carmelo party challenge of life games. <laughs> <laughs>
as it turns out, humans need nourishment to live. And unfortunately, playing a video game isn't nourishment. But you can do some eating while you're playing a video game. So that's basically what we're going to talk about. What a smooth introduction that was. 10 out of 10 if it's yeah, this, this is, is this why is I get content. paid the big bucks. Yeah, <laughs> they, you think to yourself, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this guy to intro my podcast." Um, yeah, we, this is all spurred on by the fact that I watched the menu recently, and I have not stopped being that guy who walks around to tell all the people that he knows to sit down and watch the menu because the menu is great. Um, and I was thinking, like, I'm really hungry. I want to eat some of the food from the menu, but I want to play a video game. And so I messaged everyone was like, oh, we want to talk about food. Um, I'm anti-chip with gaming. I think <laughs> chips are bad for gaming. This is my hot I take. I actually agree. And I'm also Because like, it just, it's grotty. It's just gross. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's some of those gross, colorful uh, controllers. Like, it's like, you Ugh. know, the Wii controllers and they're like all like bright orange. It's like... I oh, never had gross good. controllers. How do people have these gross controllers? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's all the chip dust that gets all over the controllers, and it's not nice. Doritos are mad. The thing is, I like, <laughs> I like the flavors of chip that are not conducive to eating while holding something. You know what I mean? Like, I love a, <laughs> I love a heavily flavored chippy. Like, and I will never argue. Yeah, but like, like a Taki as well, or like a like a rolled chip. Like something yeah, that has like a lot of yeah. dust on it. Same thing with shapes as well. Like I think shapes are delicious, um, but I, I don't think that they are conducive to a good gaming experience simply because it's the idea of I don't want to be picking out little bits of barbecue flavor out of my controller. And also if I, I this is all stemming from the fact that as a child, I went to a friend's house and was physically repulsed by one of their controllers. <laughs> it, this is now like uh, Alan brings up childhood trauma. Yeah, yeah, so that's, that's, that's were, like pristine. You could like yeah. put them back in the box and say it's brand new, like twenty years later. Like everyone else is like, you go like to the kid next door, and if we like, no, like I, I get what Alan means. It's like it's like you know childhood trauma inducing. <laughs> yeah. So I reckon I know what you do have when you snack in while gaming, Alan. What I reckon do you think I have while snacking. What I reckon it's caviar and foie gras. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no joke, if I was, if I hated butter. myself enough and also <laughs> hated poor people enough to like do that, I would 100% have okay. like a little cheese board every time I played. <laughs> That's a real like the menu situation is just mixing your high class food with just playing the, the trashest game you can imagine. Oh, uh, <laughs> hell yeah. No, I'm so for that. You think I'm going to do anything else when I'm playing Eternal Snutter other than eat? Nothing but cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm like, I feel like a cheese board. I'm making fun of myself here because I have had a cheese board before while playing a game. It was like Call of Duty. Like, it had a nice cheese board while playing Call of Duty, doing some kidnapping. Well, you say that, but I, I did. What did I do it through? I think I did it through um, Lost in Vivo. I had a cheese board out. Because I was playing it with a couple of friends. <laughs> so I brought out the cheese board and some salamis. <laughs> it was like, oh, I've got a cheese board. I thought that was quite reasonable. It was quite tasty. I enjoyed myself. I would say the cheese board was a great choice. Because again, it doesn't leave you with detritus on your hands. Yeah, and it breaks the tension when you're playing Lost on Vivo. Yeah, like you get scared oh, and then you go, oh, oh so there's some cheese. 
And exactly. so what it does lead the to is, is now phenomenal. Alan's friends are like, I'm going to bring my own snacks over when we're invited to Alan's house to play video games. No, they, they loved the cheese board. <laughs> Everyone loves the cheese boards. That's the takeaway from this section is when next time you're having a game night, set up a cheese board. No, genuinely, I think it's it's one of those things where I will make fun of you for doing it. However, darn, it's not wonderful work. <laughs> what would you go for, for a, a general gaming snack? It's just to the table. Yeah, I, I mean that's why you put food. <laughs> I'm quite a popcorn fan myself. I find that like you can eat a lot of popcorn because it's not really anything, right? So have that on the side, or oh, I can't really think of anything else. To go not popcorn it wouldn't, wouldn't like it wouldn't be like buttered buttered popcorn though, would it? Because... No, not buttered popcorn. Just like just regular popcorn. Yeah, I was going to say, because buttered popcorn would be even worse for the controllers than yeah, burritos. Yeah. Like, once the butter gets all into the plastic. Yeah, but and... sometimes that butter's like that really weird powdery butter, so it doesn't really... That's like, also pretty sticks. bad. Yeah, and then it kind of sticks, but not to your fingers sometimes, if it's, like, cheap. I don't know, like, I'd rather eat nuts. Like, you know, have a good box of, like, honey macadamia, you know... Nuts and that—that's that'll be great. Awesome pistachios, help you know. Bit of almond. No, not yeah. almond. We want not almonds. Nuts. Not almonds. Wow. Just anti-almond, apparently. <laughs> there are a lot of things I, mean, I put I up like with friends, but anti-almond's not one of them. This, this is just. I mean, it's okay if it goes now. into a cake. That's acceptable. But if it's like snacking it on it or walnuts, walnuts are also really gross. But uh, almonds hmm. are better than walnuts. Walnuts are the worst. Walnuts are awful and deserve to be thrown into the sun because they are murderous demons of hell. Okay, we've opened a box here. Matt, when, when you yeah, buy the mixed nut, what's the nut that you pick out? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very much an almond boy. I like almonds. Any any form of them, that. roasted, just regular, salted, mm. whatever you want. I love, and, and, and Alan, please comment on this, but I love this conversation has turned into, what's your favourite nut? No, because I, I'm allergic to nuts. So the, my favorite oh, nut is okay. the one that I don't eat because I will die. That's why oh, he has the cheese. But if you're going to eat one, Actually, which no. one would you pick? <laughs> no, because I've eaten hazelnut before because I only... So I love those little like lint balls, like the hazelnut praline ones, because they're delicious. But I get a little bit of a reaction every time I eat one. So I can only eat like one or two at the same time before being like, I need to stop because I can't breathe. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this is like a peek into my life where I will actively eat something that I know is going to kill me if it tastes pretty good. So, yeah. I mean, that's probably. most food, let's be real. So so what are I really mean, good when we were talking about nuts for snacking is pistachios are curried pistachios. So, like, there's, like, some, like, people which manufacture pistachios and add, like, extra stuff to it, like curried powder or, like barbecue flavors and all that curried is so good it's like the best snacking nuts ever do you mean like like is just it, the, is the curry the powder issue? that you would get or is yeah, it like, like a more specific thing well it's like it's specifically like roasted on these nuts uh, you buy them in packets it, there's actually like a local like place in willow tree which makes them um but yeah like they're like nuts and they're like curried and they're like really 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 good hmm Yes. Alan, you're still in the UK, right? 
I'm still in the UK, yes. I don't know how much this will offend people in the UK, but uh, on Trent's thing, Keem's curry powder is one of the worst flavors I've ever tasted for anything. I think that's fair. Um, I think there are there are better flavors out there than white person curry powder. But but to be fair, to be fair, Harvard, when we're talking about English food, you just want to put anything onto it. Just to mm, okay. you know, yeah. hide, hide the flavor of what's underneath it. So the curry powder is pretty useful for English food. Take that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and now we've lost our say... two subscribers from England. No, <laughs> I, I, the one thing I will say, the one thing I will say to Eng the, the people at England's great credit, they know their food culture sucks. <laughs> yeah, so we eat everything else that's not from England. What, what was trending the other week on Twitter? It was like that um, pie thing, but it was like literally just sausages like thrown into the pie and baked. Yeah, that sounds like it doesn't food. sound too bad. I would eat that probably. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds decent <laughs> enough that I would put that in my mouth. Um, no, one of the things I never understood is pork scratchings. It's just like let's eat pork skin. Yeah, I'm not a fan I'm of a, that either. I'm I'm a big fan of the the jerky renaissance because I think jerky is also a very good gaming snack because it's high protein. It's like a little bit salty, a little bit sweet. Get a little bit of like a soy marinade going on that bad boy. Yum yum yum. So you know what's a it's... better flavor for jerky? Garlic. Best flavor. Soy is traditional. Like, I'm not going, soy. I'm never going to a multiplayer gaming session with Trent. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah. That's like asking for just a bad time with that. The minute the minute yeah, you I go to I wasn't even thinking about that. <laughs> the minute you go to a, 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 a multiplayer gaming session and somebody pulls out something with garlic in it, you know you gotta get out of there. Especially okay, when they bring I'll, up I'll the chips the and dips and it's like a hum. <laughs> and a tzatziki it's full of garlic <laughs> yeah i don't know i'm i'm moving away as much as i can from all like the the greasy things just because i don't like my fingers getting gross and i've seen enough gross too. fingers not not all a big fan of kfc while you're game alan god no no <laughs> i don't want to eat a burg when i'm playing a game no because i got a bucket is, over I'm christmas still... it was like a 15 piece bucket or something literally almost every single piece was a leg it was like the best day ever in my life like <laughs> <laughs> and you ate that while you were gaming. i just don't think i could eat that Trent? i was not gaming while eating it but <laughs> if, but we did play the switches afterwards respect that everyone thoroughly washed their hands because i tell you one of ones Sorry, Alan. I was very vicious once and tried to eat sushi while while playing a game and tried to like eat it with respect, so I wasn't just like shoveling it into my mouth directly <laughs> from the fucking plate. I tried to eat um, it with respect. I usually mean like I didn't want to be like <laughs> and like slam my face into the the little plastic tray that I bought from the sushi place near me. I actually wanted to like eat it with like my nice chopsticks and have like a nice little like soy soy tray thing that I use that. You know, I, I just wanted to try and be nice, okay? And I'm being shit on for that. I'm being is shit this on for trying to... sushi, or is this like you know convenience it's... store sushi, which makes us sad it because was... you're in the UK? No, it was like an actual. It was an actual place, like a, a thing. It it looked real and it tasted. <laughs> it I, I, I mean, like the the stores which sell sushi inside, like Kmart, are also real, but I don't recommend them to buy sushi. I have I have the most amazing image of Alan like trying to play smash brothers with his nose and tongue while also holding chopsticks and trying to 
bow before sushi or something. <laughs> I just wanted to show respect, Matt, and it feels very hurtful that you're attacking me for this. <laughs> we need to all stop playing Smash Bros. So Alan can do this, like eat the, pick up his uh, chopsticks before the final smash and eat his uh, a giant sushi roll. Also, we're yes, all talking about turn-based games right now, right? No one's playing like no. a... No? No. So if, I, if I'm if i playing something and I have like a big old journey ahead of me, I'm going to want some food. Even you know, when I, you... I oh. ate... Hmm. Like, I ate a bunch of just like crap in college, basically, while playing nothing but Overwatch. And I think that was probably why I now associate Overwatch with misery. Because I was just horrendously unhealthy yeah, for a even, while. Even with action <laughs> games, a lot of like, reasons to make that association now, <laughs> not just the food. Even even with um yeah, even with action games, you've got pauses where you can eat harder. Like when mm. you've lost a life in Smash Brothers, you've got a moment to grab something. Or yeah, between right. rounds in Overwatch. There's always a moment for snacking. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm also like a, a big fan of just general gummies. I think the gummy situation with like gaming snack is probably the best just because something like a Haribo or like a gummy bear or anything like that is just going to be better. Like it's so easy to pick up. It's not messy. It's not going to cause like dirt anywhere. It's just nice. The issue you know is that I feel like I'm a two-year-old actually. child. So with gummies, I had some American friends over recently, and I don't know how we started talking about gummies, but they couldn't conceive the idea of gummies that didn't have something in them, because they were from a state where weed is legal, but also they would, like, go to frat parties or whatever, which had, like, alcohol gummies. They couldn't imagine eating a gummy that was just sugar. That's what it is. (laughs) Sounds about right for Americans. (laughs) Yeah. It's fair enough, though. Can't, can't, con- can't conceive of is generally a, a three words that you use with with Americans. It's one of the things you just stay just five was so successful. Snack, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you are right, Alan. I, I do think that gummies, candies in general, are good snacking while gaming, like whatever candy, really, because it's just um, it doesn't get on the controllers. It's easy to eat, and uh, yeah. It works. I think as well, there's a certain a certain like je ne sais quoi to eating gummies because it's like you're back being a kid again for a while. I can't believe you said those two things together. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I'm, I'm trying to like take a very not serious topic and add a little bit of va va voom to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying my best. I get laughed at for eating sushi and trying to give it respect. I get laughed at for using language to describe food. And you picked this topic, Alan. You you have never used fancy language on the podcast before, Alan. Like, we are shocked and appalled. I have never spoken words in this podcast before. This is drastically true. Usually it's just pure shite. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. I I can't believe we haven't spent pizza yet. Uh, pizza's terrible yeah. for gaming. Pizza's no! good. For- no, no. It's pizza. Great. Trent, listen. <laughs> pizza is good for a gaming night, but it's for the break between gaming sessions. You don't eat pizza while gaming. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You, you eat that. pizza you, at a gaming go, night. Everyone stop. Everyone go eat. Everyone come back and wash your hands, and then everyone come back and play. Exactly. Like, there's, no, there's no simultaneous no, happening. Here. Because sauce all over the controllers. Yeah, it's a great moment. No. <laughs> No, 
I cannot explain to you how much I just gave a visceral, like, facial reaction to what you've just said. <laughs> that that was not okay, what you've just said. <laughs> naughty, naughty. Dream. I do find it very just, like, funny, though, a little bit the pizza companies that make cross-promotions with gamers. They're just like, oh, yeah, we know our base. We can make Hatsune Miku dance in your pizza. Well, the one, remember they had that one where Domino's was giving away, like, a month of Final Fantasy fourteen. When you bought, yeah, yeah, pizzas, it, it, and it's it like, was close do enough they not play dominoes? Do, 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 do they not know what happens when you get pizza on a keyboard? You're not going to be playing Final Fantasy 14 anymore. Sorry, stupid people. I mean, <laughs> you feel like if you're doing it like on a keyboard, though, at least there's like a table next to you always. You know what I mean? Like a, that makes more sense to me. You don't have a table in your lounge room where you play console games? I don't really have a lounge room. I live in a single oh. room flat. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> this is yeah. more a commentary yeah. on the house fair situation enough. right now. <laughs> yeah, this is now a socioeconomic debate. <laughs> like all of our sections. What I, yeah, what I, it always comes down to that. The, so back on, back on the topic, I guess. Um, I don't really snack that much while I game. If that makes sense. What I generally do is I'll have like, if I have friends over and whatever, we're playing games, we'll do a pizza thing between rounds, but we yeah. don't really snack much during the game. And when I'm playing kind of longer games myself, I'll do the same thing. So for example, if I'm playing an RPG, I'll play for a couple of hours and then go and get something to eat and then come back and play the game some more. I don't know why it's just, I mean, I don't have an issue with certain snacks, not pizza, Trent, but candies and whatever sushi i guess would be fine but yeah what i do do while i play games is <laughs> i have beer beer is yeah, yeah. Say, you're, you're, you're a drinker when you play right i'm a drinker yeah, when like, I play. how come we haven't been talking about drinks yet you know we've got beer a nice cold scotch with some ice or you know a bourbon a gin well that's you know? the thing every alcohol goes well with games but you need to pair the game with the alcohol Right, and you had and you had a go at me about giving sushi the respect it deserves, and <laughs> I... now you're saying stuff like that. Like, how dare you? If, if, I'm, playing, if I'm playing the fine, if, exactly. If I'm playing a fine RPG, it needs to be with a good Pinot Noir. If I'm playing, um, you know, a, a trashy really action sick. game, then that's when you pull out the the beers, the Aussie beers. <laughs> you know, you got to pair the alcohol with the experience. It's very important. Genuinely can't tell if we're being serious right now. I don't know if this is a piss take yet. I'm genuinely being half serious. Like I do, I I do find myself. Uh, I, it's not something I consciously go through. But if I'm going to sit down and play an RPG, I'll generally buy a bottle of wine rather than a, um, if I'm doing a Smash Brothers session. Like for example, last night when I was playing, you know, multiplayer with with my brother, it was beers um, because it was all Goldeneye, mm. and that's what I drank a lot while playing Goldeneye back in the day as well. So yeah, uh, it's just. Uh, Unconscious thing that, that I do. Um, that Mario Kart drinking game, by the way. No. It, no. it looks like a lot of fun. If you're Is it every time? <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> so here's so here's how it goes. Yes, right? I'm you have you have a beer or a drink of your choice, and you have that in front of you as you're playing Mario Kart. And the worst thing about Mario Kart too is you can play it one handed if you use the motion control, right? And the rules are you must finish all three laps and finish your drink to be first. So you yes. can choose to scull it immediately before you drive, or you can choose to take sips as you drive, or you can choose to just beat everyone in the race and then immediately try to drink as much as you can. 
Interesting. I like this idea. This is yeah, a good idea. Yeah. I approve of this. I was. I thought you were going to say something like every every time you get hit by a blue shell, you have to take a drink, but you'd be plastered within the first ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. the strategy Wait. of it, right? It's like when do you drink, and also how will your drinking affect your driving? <laughs> Took me a moment before I realized what I was saying. It's like the best advertisement ever for not drinking and driving. Yep, it really is. Drink once you're yeah. like at the end of lap two, beginning of lap three, because otherwise if you fuck up and you've got time to re like get your score back up again. And yeah, perfect. Done. You see the strategy to it. And the best part is if your strategy doesn't work, it's more fun. Yeah. You drink more. <laughs> I don't know, like uh, my my go-to thing for drinking in, in video games is in a horror game. If you play in a group, every time that someone gets scared, like audibly scared, you drink. Oh, that sounds very fun. It is very fun. We did um we did Resi Seven when that came out. We did uh Lost in Vivo, of course. We did. That was the cheese, the fabled cheese board night. The fabled cheese board. <laughs> oh, so it was cheese board and grog. Wow, you went all out. Yeah. Oh no, I mean, what we did is we went to Aldi. And we bought a, a 24 pack, a slab, if you will, of their storm beers because it was oh, $20 I love to buy a slab. Yeah, they're decent. They're like 50 cents a beer. It's great. It's phenomenal. They're better than they have any right to be. Um so uh yeah, we did that. That was the Fable Cheese Board night. Um and then we did all the I think all the modern Resident Evil games, and then also like a bunch of other stuff like Alien. But yeah, that was really fun. That was extremely enjoyable. That game's that that drinking game is very very good. There's also just the whole thing of playing Xenoblade, and every time you cringe, you drink. So most of the game <laughs> you're drinking. <laughs> oh, speaking of Xenoblade, I, I beat that game. I don't know if I talked about this on stream, but the fact that uh, there's a photo of uh, can I spoil the ending just very briefly? Which one? It's not like a major spoiler. Three. Well, yeah. And um, therefore, by two, if by that pretty recent, right? If people are on this podcast, they've already finished it. So. I yeah, I just yeah. as a. Spoil away. Yeah, basically, spoil away. There's a photo of the main character of Xenoblade 2 Rex surrounded by three of the characters from 2 who are all pregnant with his child or have his child. What? And I, 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 I'm not joking. That's a that's a thing. It's that's just like a... a photo of him with the three main girls of Xenoblade 2 all holding a baby. That sounds incredibly fake, but also, judging by Xenoblade 2, no. incredibly real. It's the most real thing that I've ever seen in my life. That's a... That's an experience and a half, so I, I drank a lot for that. Is that like an instant skull drink, like finish drink and get finish, another yeah. one fight rule? <laughs> yeah, it literally just like, just chug at that That's point. That's a great game. Drink every time you cringe. Yeah, again, with that series, you're kind of just going to be doing it a lot. <laughs> is the I'm third game also cringe, or is the third game like a bit more on the level? The third game is great. The third game is an actual video game for human beings and not just, like, people who want to jack off. <laughs> the third game is one you compare with a Pinot pretty easily. There you Interesting. Go. That, you know what? You turned me on that. You turned me on that phrase. <laughs> I'm I'm into it. I'll start saying that now. <laughs> You've done it, Matt. You've convinced me. Yeah. Lost in Vivo, pair with the Pinot. <laughs> oh, stop it. No, that's great. Oh, I love that. That's our new rating system. We're getting rid of the stars. It's it's, it's <laughs> what, what it's, does what, this go with? it's what you pair it with. 
<laughs> it goes up from like VB to a to a Stormy to a, <laughs> a like a Bendigo cider to a <laughs> Pinot Noir and then to like a a Dom Perignon Champagne. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new system. It works really well. Pretty good rating system. I'm looking forward to Metac- Metacritic trying to figure that one out. So <laughs> <laughs> we've they got to go to our website. It's like, instead of a rating scale, just have pictures of beers. What's going on? <laughs> Don't you just submit the scores anyway? It has to be like on a 10-point scale. And you have no, to they, like convert it. No, they do they it. They work it out. Yeah. They do it. Yeah. They figure it out. So our new alcohol rating system is going to be fun for them. One day we'll have I so mean, if it's five, I can divide it by five. Or it's a 100-point yeah. system. Yeah, but... I feel like if we're going to implement the system, we need to make it weird, right? Just just throw in a few new ones every now and then to confuse people. Yeah. And just make it just completely incomprehensible so that no one can use the, the scoring-based system so they actually have to read the review. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And our, this our, our game equivalent, is a pom-pom cruiser. Our, our, our equivalent of a 1 out of 10 will be play this sober. <laughs> oh no play it on goon just get as drunk as you can and then play it. ten dollar wine sack <laughs> oh that's no that's ambitious i'd say like a three dollar out wine like the one they that they go just like oh they do at least that they did what horrifying. i was thinking they might have changed no it's exactly what you expect on the tin you know what i mean like what are you gonna what are you wanting for that much play price? with friends in a goon bag situation <laughs>
being an art form that encompasses basically every single other art form means that a lot of what comes from gaming is actually pretty applicable to a greater artistic context. And one of the things I think that's probably the most sort of obvious way of approaching gaming without sitting down and playing it yourself is music performances. Now, I've not been lucky enough to have gone to any of these except for exactly one of them, which was for Journey, which was with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra back in 2015, I want to say. But I absolutely loved it. And Matt was saying that, you know, it, actually, why am, I, why am I saying what you're going to say, Matt, when I can just ask you to say it? You made a really good point in the in the chat before, before we uh, started recording this. Explain. <laughs> I did. I, I made a good point. It. Yeah, like um, the would would music that would work in a symphony, like what sound would we put our dapper evening suits on, risk COVID sitting or oh, right. watch real orchestra play? <laughs> because no, like, I guess, like you said, there's a lot of really good music that sounds shit as a symphony. Like, yeah, it I mean, just doesn't it, sound good. It's just stuff that I wouldn't necessarily go to watch a performance of of the music. So, like, if you go to a symphony, it's a little different. If you're playing a video game, then you've got the visuals and you've got the interactivity and all those other things, and the music's really there to enhance it, right? But if you go to a symphony, you're going specifically for the experience of the music. So it is very much front and centre, and it can't be so much supporting something as it needs to be the kind of the, the main act. So there is a lot of music out there that I enjoy uh, a lot, but I would not go to see in a symphony ever um probably the most the best example of that i can think of is the the mario brothers games um i really enjoy the mario brothers music but would i ever go to see it in a symphony probably not probably not that would be yeah, exactly it. it'd be neat to, it's very kitsch yeah like maybe one song but not the whole soundtrack yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel wouldn't like I would a... want to hear one Mario Galaxy song. And that <laughs> I mean, be... <laughs> there's a whole range of Mario music. You'd probably have that Ocean one, which everyone likes in the '64 game. I I wouldn't be offended oh. if it was like a kind of a general kind of game music concert, and there was like one Mario song in there. That wouldn't bother me. Mm. Um, and I can't remember if it was. I did go to one symphony, which was just a collection of music from video games across the spectrum. And I can't remember if there was a Mario in there. I'm pretty sure there was a Zelda uh, track. It came and... out after the Zelda Symphony, didn't it? That was like a really big one. And it was like Halo and um, Call of Duty. I think there was like song, like Mortal Kombat maybe. Mar Call I think has music. It. Yeah, it was a bunch of stuff yeah, like it that. Does. Yeah. It's actually got a decent soundtrack. I, um, which one? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not being... Call of Duty It has like a decent soundtrack. Like the Modern Warfare 1 theme is like pretty well, get, renowned for being quite good. the best... They get the best uh, music composers yeah. in Hollywood to make the bloody music. So, of course, it's going to sound good. <laughs> I'm running an absolute blank right now. I don't know if it's because it's just mixed in a way that you can only hear gunfire. I can't imagine any music from that game. Yeah, it's it's fine. I, again, it's very like it's Michael Bay music. Ah, okay. And okay, that's kind okay. of what you expect. Like, it's the. <laughs> Okay, like that yeah. sort of it's thing. It's not which like one... the Goldeneye menu music, which has taken a life on its own. Like it's, which, it's you know. <laughs> which, which one was the um, uh, the Crisis one that had one of the top Hollywood composers create the original song? That was for Crisis it? Two, I believe. Okay. I think it was Crisis Two or it was Crisis Three. It was one of them, and it was a really but... good piece of music. Um, 
for an otherwise for a game that was game. not particularly yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, Crisis has music. What are all these games that suddenly have music? Yeah. But yeah, to to get back and to it, the point, I guess the in terms of symphonies, uh, the, there's one time that I've been to a symphony which was just for one game, and that was in Japan. We went to a symphony for Final Fantasy XIV music, which was. Of course, excellent because a lot of that music is very. I feel like that's the symphonic. safest bet. Yeah. 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 Um, did they play Good King Mog? They did not, and I was very disappointed about that. Actually, I was. That I was going actually insane. surprises me. Are they going to play Good King Mog? Are they going to play? And they didn't. But uh, it, it was a really good. <laughs> they did to my boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was it was spectacular, and of course, any Final Fantasy game um, would work as a kind of separate or. It, Individual symphony. I mean, they did that as like distant worlds, didn't they? That was the entire like, yeah, distant worlds yeah. thing for but a while. I think across the franchise, there's so many iconic songs that you could fill multiple symphonies with it. Well, yeah, there's 385 yeah. carefully selected songs in to get rhythm. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll get very acquainted <laughs> with so that. So that is that is a very long symphony and... if you if you go along to that. Um, and all of them are from Final Fantasy Origin, Stranger of Paradise. <laughs> actually, you know what? I would genuinely go to. I would genuinely go to a symphony. Which was just all the versions of the Chocobo song. Nothing but I, I, I think that's just you. I would be the only person in the audience, but I would go. I actually have a CD of that, which is just like twenty-two versions of or the twenty-two different versions of the Chocobo song. Sounds um, like the soundtrack to my unraveling psyche. It was. It was. Like, it's a good CD. I enjoyed crazy. it a great deal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of value. <laughs> No, I'm imagining you, Harvard, like, you know, the, the scene from The Simpsons where Homer's, like, being force-fed the donuts by the demon. He's like, have all the donuts you like. <laughs> it's just you. Listen to every trick of a Chocobo song on the 80s. It matches their, like, song 17. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty great song. Yeah, I like that one. No, that's good. I like that a lot. That's really strong. It's very funny. <laughs> I, um, I think one of the ones I would want to see the most of is... It's it's ones that are not already symphonic because I don't see a lot of point in hearing something that's already symphonic in the first place. I want to see someone do something interesting. Oh, like orchestrate music that else. I would... Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of... I'm, I'm not going to say, like, ambition because it, it sounds negative, but it shouldn't be. Like, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of focus on making games seen as legitimate art when sometimes, like, the best things are things that are made with games in mind and only in mind and then mm, to adapt that to a different medium i think is more interesting in in my personal opinion because like whereas i can obviously see you know going and listening to the entire ff10 soundtrack played by an orchestra i would love that but there's a part of me that's like i kind of want to hear what they do with something that i never would have considered before hmm. what, like what a, say, even like, like a, a chiptune game like something that doesn't use the the same instrumentation like at all, mm. like that's using weird stuff or a symphony um, version of DDR. You know what? No, actually, that, that would, would be fun. kind of cool because I yeah. I would want to see how they do it because it's mm. that sounds insane, and I want to respect people who have like gone and done the effort of making something that sounds that insane. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I would go to probably DJ sets of remixes i think i love the the wave racer aesthetic there's a there's an australian musician whose name is literally wave racer and he used to do 
a lot of sampling of like N64 era music in an electronic set. And that was very cool. I really like that. Kind of reminds me of stuff from like, uh, did everyone used to like download music from like OC Remix? Like, you know, like just all the video game music. And there was like some which are like more orchestrated like takes. And then there was some which yeah, are like yeah. batshit insane, like techno covers of like music. And it, it, it was a gr- just a great website with a resource of like some great artists. I wonder if Overclock Remix is still a thing. Fairly sure I it, still it is. is. I think it got shut down. I think it got shut down at some point. Or like there was a there was a big like copyright issue thing. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Because of like Nintendo or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was that period of time when where Nintendo went insane and just started copyright claiming no, literally still everything it, because they I mean, could still exist. Still goes existence. to a website, so you can go to a website and find all the music. That's good. There you <laughs> yeah. go. No, no, I, I, I think it's nice that game music gives us the commonality, right? Because I feel like not. Well, people who have played the game have that shared experience, so we go out seeking these songs, and it it gives us that excitement when we see people doing things with that. I don't know if we have the same attachment to just music made for music, because we have additional stories and experiences that we associate with the music that was playing as it happened, which is pretty unique. Yeah. I um, I also, part of me wants to see someone trying to adapt like the environmental music of something like resident evil 2 remake where it's just like little piano clinks every so often it's like a full like three and a half hour symphony of just like ting like i want the wild symphony yeah just like have nothing just like a, a, a wallpaper essentially then the whole orchestra just occasionally making some noises and then that's it like that's i would love that. that'd be cool as hell that's it's like very pomo yeah, just imagine going to that concert and not knowing you're going to a video game concert and you're just like, oh, there's a lot of artistic silence in this uh, in this piece. Oh, because as we all know, Harvard, music is also the space between the notes. It's really about the notes they're not playing. <laughs> well. <laughs> you know, what, what do you think they're trying to convey in this, uh, you know, in the, the, the silence between the piece and the, between the notes? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. You know what I really, really yeah. hate is going to these symphonies and it's like, oh, here's all the cool merch. Like, you know, you can get like some caps and posters and stuff like that. And you're like, sweet. None of them never do violin sheet music. It's always piano sheet music if, it's, if it is sheet music. Why aren't they playing the violin? Through? Yes, I kind of, not really, but oh, I cool. have been. There you go. <laughs> but yes. But you realize like, you no... can buy those and then just like play the yeah. top line, right? Yeah, do but do I, that. I don't just, know like... how to like transcode music. I just want it already transcoded for my instrument with the right things. Life's hmm. too complicated yeah. to do that. This is it's not the topic at all. So if anyone has a topic about music, jump in. But my, my <laughs> question was more along the lines of when you play games, as if you're listening to a symphony, do you pay attention to the music and like analyze the music? Or does it kind of fade yes. out into the background for you? you? Do yes, I'm a psycho. Yeah, I have a degree in music. <laughs> oh yeah, you have a degree in music, I, of course. Yeah, I I listen to that stuff and I'm like, that's a nice diminished chord right there. <laughs> well, specifically, <laughs> specifically when I'm playing games, I I actually want the music to fade back to a, to the point where I'm not really noticing it. I mean, 
it it should be good music and it should be recognizable to the point that you know it, if i hear it outside of the context of video games then um then i recognize it but while i'm playing the game i would rather not be noticing the music i'd rather it be there to enhance the the rest of the game and um i, I think that's why for example one of my favorite game soundtracks is um series as far as the music's concerned is the elder scrolls series because oh. the music from the elder scrolls series generally i don't really recognize it as i'm playing but when i hear it outside of the context of video games um i can enjoy it on that level as well so i can enjoy it in hmm. both ways that when i'm playing the game it's not in my face and it's not distracting me from the experience that i'm trying to you know, read the books in the game or try and, play, you know, go through a dungeon and kill dudes in the game or whatever. But then I can go to the symphony of an Elder Scrolls thing and really enjoy the music in that context as well. So for me, that's yeah. kind of the perfect example of a, a soundtrack that works. <laughs> um, it's like how Breath yeah. of the Wild is like the perfect video game soundtrack, but everyone's like, oh no, they're not playing my co the song constantly or it's not, it's not loud enough. It's just wind chimes or whatever. But like, it just echoes in the background like a, you know, a mystical like force or some sort of, you know, you know, a breath of the wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's my problem with some of the older Zelda soundtracks is that some of the songs are really infuriating to listen to for an hour at a time. So if you're stuck in a dungeon, yeah. you're getting to know the that forest. song real well. Oh, the forest one from Ocarina of Time. <laughs> the forest. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> stuck in my head it sounds it makes me think of like a an owl that's like trapped and it's like it's, it's not a bad owl. song right it's just not a song you want to listen it's to fine. over and over again i don't want to listen to a man going uh, like a clown <laughs> it's just a clown screaming in my ear and it's very upsetting i love wind waker it had some great music like you know all the islands had like amazing pieces like you know dragon roast island that was really 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 good and outside island had a really good soundtrack yeah I think like over the course of video game history, they've started to figure out that. So a lot of the things tend towards more ambient stuff. Like a lot of people complain how there's no melodies in modern music, but I think that's by design. Like they don't want to have really catchy melodies all the time because that's not what it's there for. Unless I mean, it's the like only a, one that I would say is aggressively. Oh, go for it. Sorry, Matt. I was going to say, unless it's actually specifically they want to use that as an aesthetic effect, like the Persona series, for example. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But even Persona games have ambient music, and then when they want you to remember the song, they'll put more effort into it, right? Not they effort, have like ambient music? pizzazz into it. Hmm? They have ambient music? Like, Persona 4 and 5 are just back-to-back -back pop pop music. Oh, but, like, if you're going, like, like, on the train, or if you're in the cafe or something, there's, like, more chill oh, yeah. music as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was also going to say the only game that I think has had aggressive melody work in it has oh, series rather is Xenoblade because they write pieces of music that are like half an hour long so that you don't get bored of them. <laughs> that's true too. Which I, I, I love that big Xenoblade, respect for. Uh, they they mastered the whole "Why do I hear boss music?" meme. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you turn around and there's like a seventy, a seventy level seventy thousand monkey called Tempestuous Greg who's screaming at you. Tempestuous Greg, that's probably a real yeah. name from. It's not. Also, it's not that far away. Yeah. My favorite thing from that soundtrack too, and I love it when boss soundtracks do this. 
is the first minute or so is just like, you're going to die. This is going to be so scary. And then minute two and minute three suddenly gets really triumphant because the game knows if you're still hearing this bit, you're probably doing pretty well. You're fine. Yeah. I like that. I, I think there's a, there's a element of big risk to that though, because for a musician to make a, you know, 15 minute piece of music for a battle song, the first minute has to be phenomenal. <laughs> like it has to be hear that one. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah, exactly. Again. It's, again, not to just talk about Xenoblade, but Torna, the DLC for Xenoblade, has the single best battle theme of all time. You don't hear a lot of it, but it is jazzy, it is fun, and it's so sick. I never heard past like the four minute mark. <laughs> I just think that'd be uh, there's a lot of limits with music and games, and I think that Symphony is not necessarily the way to do it all the time, but it'd be cool to see how it could be adapted to include elements of that. Which is a very, like, that's a very bland and fence-sitting argument to make. Well, I think it's obviously, obviously depends on the genre as well, right? So if you're playing an RPG, it probably lends itself better to symphonic-style compositions than if you're playing a fighting game where the... Uh, I would dig a symphonic fighting game, actually. <laughs> the, cool. the fight's over in, you know, less than a minute and... It's more about creating energy. Like the music's there to, to create energy, and that's why it's you know, fast guitar riffs and stuff. So, yeah. I, I, and then the platformer like Mario, again, Symphony probably doesn't work for Mario anyway because it's more about creating that kind of um, light, kind of bouncy uh, spirit. So, yeah, it, the, the genre matters a great deal as well. Yeah, what's interesting is that Galaxy for the Mario series does have a symphonic soundtrack. And it has a reputation for being a wistful and thoughtful game, I think, primarily because of that soundtrack. Yeah, I think so. I also think that game has one of the best soundtracks of all time just because it's so varied, it's so interesting, and you can tell they're having fun with it. I think that's the main thing is that a lot of... I have this fear, right, that any piece of art that's created under extreme press, like pressure and stress isn't as good as if it was just someone having fun with it. Mm, yeah. And soundtracks where you the can tell they're having fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, like when you, when you can tell that someone is having fun writing and having fun performing it, like the Mario Kart 8 soundtrack is just joy. Mm. And it's because you can tell that every single musician on that staff was having a blast, just having fun. And... I think the way the industry is doing, everything goes, everything's back to a socioeconomic thing. Uh, everything comes back to crunch. <laughs> and I think musicians are often not given enough time. I mean, you look at the Doom soundtrack guy who got absolutely screwed over by Bethesda. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. He got like that sort of thing. That concerns me because the soundtrack for Doom Eternal is good, but it could have been so much better if he'd been given the tools and the time to actually do what he wanted to do. Yeah, and that's a game that would really be enhanced by music as well. But I think the attitude towards music is just get everyone to make the whole rest of the game first and then give some poor musician and composer two weeks and be like, okay, soundtrack it. We don't care how you well, do it. Well, I mean, they, like... do, they do the same to the writing as well. Yeah, exactly. The game's basically done. And then they get a writer yeah. to say, like, you know, make it make sense. Make it make sense. So <laughs> make the scenario. A lot of, I do find that a lot of the creative working games, is an afterthought to the production which mm. is 
uh, it, it is an issue. <laughs> I, I do think that is a big issue for the video game industry. And one of the reasons that I do prefer more indie stuff, because a lot of the time the indies actually go in with the creative idea first and then build the game around it. Whereas, you know, the Ubisoft formula or whatever doesn't really work that way. Yeah, you're only going to be able money. to, yeah, you're, you're only going to be able to produce a game of the, the scope of an Assassin's Creed or a Grand Theft Auto or whatever, if you build the game first and then make it work as a creative product because building the game is that much, you know, more work. God, I just, I cannot think of a single Ubisoft game that I'm remotely interested in at this point. <laughs> like, I mean, it's so artistically devoid. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're all cancelled. They, anyway. they tried for a little bit. There was a, there was yeah, a period there where Ubisoft was a, a top tier publisher in my view. Um, yeah, Valiant Hearts. Well, they yeah, they were doing all kinds of interesting things. Child of Light Hero, they would, and their um, their their bigger games were interesting as well. Like the the Assassin's Creed series peaked for me around this the three trilogy, um, Black Flag and Rogue and uh, Liberation. Oh, Black Flag was sick. Liberation so, also the most underrated one. Yeah, exactly. And they, they were pretty creative and interesting works. That that was just before the series got big, and then they went and messed it from there so there was a moment where ubisoft was a very fine game publisher and rabbits go home is like the best game like everyone <laughs> should like get away and play it that's the like, most like i rented this game from blockbuster dvd <laughs> like that's that's the energy of that game for some reason i don't know why but it just is to me no mm. it's great it's got like it's got like the, like the go TV show came out at the same time, like or around just after it, and it's got that. Energy it was a TV the... show. Yeah, there's a TV show. I think it's yeah. like, oh. I think it's a newer pro- property. I don't think it was like like it's most. There was like short clips around then, but then the actual TV show came out more recently. But like there was like like energy and vibes of like something like that. I think it even had like didn't go home also have like the people which worked on the TV show working on it, like the Wallace and Gromit people as well. Like I'm pretty sure it had some, some I'm pretty sure it had some creative influences and like people helping out. Like, are you telling me that Ardman studios worked on a rabbits thing? I'm sure they helped with like the, either, either the TV show or, um, or go home. Like they, they did something with rabbits. I don't think so. Do you think you're the you Google? Oh you my Google god, it right, right now. Oh my god. <laughs> I am right. Oh my yes. god. What the what? I don't think so. No. No, they did. They did. They worked on a pilot and a few episodes. Oh, there you go. Oh yeah, my so, god. So that was that was back when uh, Go Home had came out. So all that pilot and stuff like that. Like it, it was like it was the energy and the vibe of like Ubisoft back then. Like UbiArt was a thing. Like the best Raymond games are those two D Raymond games. Don't don't tell me it's the three D games. It's those two D games. Best content ever. And then you also had the conversation Valiant Heart. on that topic. Actually, I'm really the curious for your thoughts on this. What's yeah. your view on getting an existing creative in their field to hop on a game? Like, what's your view on like George R. R. Martin is writing um, Elden Ring? Or, like, he didn't. It made Elden Ring better. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> or like they, famous music composer is doing the soundtrack. They, they, or, like, so here's what 
like Harvard, I'm just going to clear this up here because this is, I'm 100% sure convinced that, 100% certain this is what happened, right? George R. R. Martin liked Dark Souls and he was like, I want to, I want to write the next one. So Miyazaki is like, here, you can do that. We'll put your name on the box and it's okay, George, you've really written this. And they didn't use any of it. <laughs> they just... Hey. It's all in like the item tech. He did all the and now, and now and George like is that, right? wandering around saying, I wrote this game. I'm so great. That's so funny. <laughs> I'm so happy with myself. And Imagine none of his words. George R. R. Martin, like the, the courtesy credit. <laughs> so that's that what one happened. definitely you know, seems you know what it is? all it's marketing. Like... <laughs> it's, it's not an it's actual, when you are... like, he made it. <laughs> when you give your younger cousin the controller that's not plugged in <laughs> for writing a video game. <laughs> Uh, but to, to your question, Harvard, um, it, it, when, it, when it works, it's really great. Like Nino Kuni, for example, in the way they use Studio so Ghibli and oh, also yeah, yeah. Joe, Joe, the composer King. for the music. Um, that game was just spectacular for the way that it was that collaboration between a game developer and uh, somebody from outside of the games industry. Uh, mm. It doesn't happen as often as I was like. Too often it is just one of those things that it seems to be a branding exercise. Um, or if, for, for the studio or whoever outside of the games industry got recruited into it, it's just a way of making a bit of money on the side, but it's not their kind of top-tier effort. <laughs> um, like, for example, I would imagine the uh, the Rabbids work that Ardman did was not their finest uh and and no, they, they had the models left over from the wallace and gromit curse the wearable movie yeah <laughs> so <laughs> for me that's that's where it kind of falls down it too often it seems like it's just a marketing exercise and it's not something but that's Alan genuine didn't know about it so it doesn't count it might have been the best it. work it's, that's the thing that gets me is that that is targeted to me because it came out in 2010 that would have been my shit in 2010 i had no idea that's wild I guess I never really did come home. <laughs> but I think the other thing is it's too often the um, people from outside of the games industry don't necessarily know how to work within the games industry as well. Mm. So they need to be quite guided um, in order to make their stuff fit. And... I think a lot of the time, again, to go back to the the branding thing and George R. R. Martin, I think a lot of the time they just try and find some way of kind of indulging them within the games industry, within the game that they're making. So in, in all seriousness, I believe what George contributed to Elden Ring was the backstory. Um, yeah, it, it was that, the backstory and the item descriptions that he yeah, helped to contribute to. Yeah, so he did the stuff that's kind of um way in the background and then the, the bulk of the actual writing would have come from Miyazaki's team um yeah so in that way they found a way of squeezing him in squeezing him in as such another example would be this is an older example but clock tower 3 um back on the PlayStation 2 oh, had, had with a the director. very famous yeah. very famous film director uh, involved in the project it was actually his last project before he died uh kinji fukasaku i believe his name was he was the director of battle... that sounds right yeah 
yeah, he was the director of Battle Royale and um, so many very famous films through the 60s and 70s. Um, he was brought on. He's so that. weird. <laughs> he, he was, yeah, he's he's a visionary kind of filmmaker. So it was not a not a small deal that he was involved with that game. Uh, and his role within it, as it turned out, was really just kind of directing the cinematics, not the he didn't have creative oversight to the rest of the project. So, yeah, I, I do feel a lot of the time when they get somebody from outside the games industry for a particular talent, writing, filmmaking, music, whatever, they then just kind of, it's an indulgence to kind of, and they just try and make it fit where it can without it actually being that deeply ingrained within the rest of the game, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's to add validity to a non-gaming market. Yeah, because yes. I mean, you 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 show a game that has George R. R. Martin's name on it after Game of Thrones came out, like it's gonna sell. You have a game that, like, you know, has uh, I don't know Hans Zimmer's name on it, it's probably gonna sell. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where if you have someone who is famous outside of gaming attached to your game, it's gonna appeal to more people who are not likely to already be buying it anyway. Mm. So, yeah, it's very cynical, but I guess accurate. Look at that! Yeah, everything's a market. Every <laughs> I did a one mark. <laughs> I did one marketing subject. Uni. I'm an expert now. <laughs> <laughs>